yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talkin they know what they be talking about. Talkin they can press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. Who the ball? Who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, and we are making things work. Mike is out on assignment. Charles is literally fighting the rain, thunder, and lightning in Houston where the powers went out, so he's using his phone uh, as best as possible. So we yeah, might have... Looks like he froze up on us, too. Yeah, a little in-and-out technicality. There uh, he is. Does that. Um, so with that being said, Charles, how you doing today other than fighting Mother <laughs> that is undefeated? Yeah, and she's proven to me she's undefeated. I'm definitely fighting it. <laughs> no doubt about it. Appreciate you putting all the extra effort in. With that being said, we have uh, one of the best pinch hitters out there in the game. You know, obviously, Professor Extraordinaire, he is an assistant professor with Tenure Track last time y'all got the notification on that. We have A.D. Drew. How you doing, Drew? Hey, I'm I'm doing fine, my brother. Doing fine. Uh, no weather here today. We had some yesterday and the day before, but since Texas is west of Georgia and we're pretty much on the same uh lo- longitudinal plane, I'll probably catch it about Thursday, Friday. Right. I didn't know if you were so kind that you pushed it our way. I, I wasn't sure which one. No, nah, y'all get it first. Get it back. <laughs> with that being said welcome to episode 391 inside the hbc hbc sports live radio show and podcast as we have the countdown to 400 countdown to 400 the show that's covering the sporting hbc dash for all sports from institutions large and small from the NAIA to the ncaa we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics, to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. As I said, Mike Washington is out on assignment, and we have none other than A.D. Drew in the building. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live uh, as best as possible, as long as Mother Nature holds up. Uh, to our Case Ways 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, uh, with multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper. And in fact, this is Ralph Cooper Day. Uh, Mayor Sylvester Turner uh, provided, along with the city council, recognized Mr. Ralph Cooper, our Ralph Cooper, that really got us in the game from this side until Roy pushed us to the streaming platform like he did. Uh, he really gets a lot of accolades, so we wanted to send him love, Ralph Cooper. Ralph Cooper Day in Houston, Texas. How about that? Yeah, and, you can't say enough about that, uh, Doc. 
really excited for Ralph getting that uh, recognition. It's important uh, uh, that he receives his flowers because he's done so much with regards to this uh, Houston sports radio, this Houston sporting environment, if you will. No doubt. Great. I'm glad you chimed in there, right, because that certainly is appropriate. That means I just have another beer or two, so uh, I'll make sure I call you so you can help me disperse the expenses on that because he's going to expect <laughs> both of us. <laughs> uh, but we'll make sure we get that right. And this is in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Today's episode of Inside the HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency, LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. A lot going on um, in a lot of areas outside of HBCU sports and the professional sports. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we're going to stay right here on the HBCU framework, but this is really going to be outside of the sporting context. I have to provide some difficult news. Some is going to make you angry. Uh, as historically, we know what this means, and this is nothing to play with. Uh, Prairie View uh, had calls in today in terms of bomb threats. Uh, so they had to cancel uh, traditional workday. Fortunately, for the most part, students are gone, as you know. Uh, graduation for Texas Southern and Prairie View this past weekend, as you continue the tradition with a lot of HBCUs having graduation on Mother Day weekend. So that took place, but you still have faculty mainly staff and administrators on campus. So they had to leave today. Uh, I'm filming from at home because uh, we had a gas leak, but it's my understanding that uh, there may be uh, a caller in that called in at Texas Southern University as well in terms of the bomb threat. So, Same thing happened at Jackson State today. Um, so this is a extremely uh, wretched time in a lot of ways where literally folks are trying to change black back and I did say black in terms of those that understand the history to change the time. Uh, we just came from Alabama, or at least I did, uh, a couple of years ago in terms of our time getting ready to go back to Alabama for Twag Media Day in Birmingham. And we know what took place uh, in Birmingham in terms of the tragedy of the bombing that killed those young women um, in connection with that. So, um, not whether somebody is has the ability to put bombs on campus, but the fact that they understand the triggering of what that does is serious enough. Um, and so um, all hands on deck to make sure that we uh, do our part in supporting these HBCU institutions in terms of what that looks like. So I did want to say that before we had some brevity in that. Um, did Are there some additional Comments, concerns, A.D. Drew, that you wanted to address on top of that as well before we move into some sporting talk? Yeah, the bill that was signed in the state of Florida, in the state of Florida, that basically says that no uh, racial equity or no racial equity classes can be taught in a public institution that receives state funds. So not only does it look like we're being attacked via the bomb threats and of course we know what the gun violence has been out here as of recent but now they want to attack us intellectually by making us not only making us less aware of who we are but also making other cultures not aware of our diverse history and there's 
we should be learning about African-American culture as well as we learn about Asian-American culture, Hispanic uh, American culture. And uh, we, we, we know we know about European culture, but the more that you learn about other people's culture, the more respect that we can get from for where we are now because we understand where everyone has come from. So uh, shame on the state of Florida. And in a sporting context, I wonder if this will give a Bethune-Cookman a recruiting advantage because woke students may not want to go to the public institution because of these changes and the ramifications from these changes and tilted the that tide where Bethune has been the little brother or the little cousin for so long over over to them. If we're talking about it in the sporting context, that's the sports question related to that Florida uh, bill that was just signed by the governor. I won't call his name, but I'll just call him the governor of of that state where I used to live. Yeah, great point because at the end of the day, it all ties in. So um, it's a tragedy in terms of the deception. And some people will say straight out lies in regards to the ability to navigate the space, particularly in a country that likes to provide the framework of freedom. So what happened to that audacity of suggesting that you're in a free market, a free country in terms of you being able to voice your opinion? So it's not so much to say that you may not disagree with the uh, disagree uh, with critical race theory, but the fact that you shut it down. Authoritarian uh, is the terminology for those that still continue to understand history, see exactly what this is. Uh, And that is not democratic nor capitalistic in nature, but we'll get back to the sporting context. As you see, I do have my prayer view uh, paraphernalia on, and that is because this past weekend, among many championships that were handed out across the various HBCU conferences, for a lack of a better word, and a national championship as well, uh, Prairie View A&M claimed SWAC softball tournament tie. Uh, as you all are aware of, this is back-to-back titles. Uh, Prairie View, in terms of their conference, had only lost two games, and they defeated both teams that defeated them uh, in terms of Texas Southern. Um, uh, they lost the last game there essentially of the year in terms of that series and then they did get uh, some payback for the loss that Gramlin put on them, the first loss uh, that they had on the schedule in terms of the conference race so kudos to uh, the Prairie View obviously uh, they got it done in a lot of ways uh, junior Destiny Smith picked up 8-7 victory over Gramlin State Tigers that fought hard extremely fought they actually took the lead in that game until Prairie View was able to show their championship medal and come back in that last inning. Um, junior Jericho Rojas went 11 and 2, picked up the victory out of the bullpen for Prairie View AM. That went 27 and 18. The right hander went one shutout inning while giving up one hit. Sophomore Aaron Talley led the way offensively for the Lady Panthers, going one for three in the ball game with a home run, a walk, and four RBIs. Uh, Gramlin did get it done in terms of Lauren Irvin and uh, Kadisha Collins 
outpaced the GSU offensive tack with two RBI each. Uh, freshman Mia Nunez provided a noteworthy performance as well, going two for four with a double and an RBI. Smith also chipping in, going one for two for Prairie View and in with two walks and a RBI. So uh, kudos to Vernon Bland. I actually was in school with Vernon Bland. So that's kind of cool to see uh, somebody that you uh, walk Prairie View campus, the yard as we like all to call it, obviously the hill for those that uh, are familiar with this part of the West area. I know a lot of other folks use that vernacular as well, uh, but it was uh, very enlightening, uh, very calm. So kudos to all those involved in terms of the championship there. Swag all tournament teams, Jocelyn Davis, uh, uh, Bethune-Cookman, Kerry Parker, Alcorn State, Kerry Howard, Alcorn State, Christian Edwards, Alcorn State, Marsha Hunt, Alcorn State, that went into the loser bracket but gave everybody they wanted and won us one of the final three standing with uh, the final three coming out of the West. Uh, four out of the final five were out of the West division. The first two teams to go two in barbecue. The leader turned went out of the East. Oddly enough, with the top two teams, so it was intriguing in terms of how we like to look at the dynamics between the West and East. I would be remiss if I didn't jump in here. Um, North Carolina Central wins the MIAC. Uh, they were forced to go to the winner, uh, take all game, uh, as they lost the first championship game, Coppin State coming out of the loser bracket. But Coppin uh, State lost against North Carolina Central in the second matchup on Saturday. That was on ESPN Plus uh, as North Carolina pulled out the victory 6-2 to win their first ever MEAC championship game was held uh, there. Uh, so kudos uh, to outstanding MEAC tournaments, Vanessa Carosa, Coppin State, Siriana Esperanza, uh, Coppin State, Amelia Weber, Howard, Mia Gonzalez, Howard, Amia Belinger, Marilyn Eaton Shore, Caitlin Smichko. Maryland Eastern Shore, Anita Hunter, Morgan State, Gabby Vaughn, Norfolk State, Jaden Davis, North Carolina Central, Morgan Green, North Carolina Central, and Astante Eubanks, North Carolina Central. So kudos for them being able to get the championships in terms of what took place there. Obviously, there were a couple of other championships, but we'll share those on Thursday as we get back to it. Want to get into our first break. At the end of the show, we'll come back and see if AD Drew wants to have some additional news he wants to get out there or anything, Charles may have a thought on those championships. But let's take our first break, come back on the other side. We'll get into a little bit of the baseball talk. We're going to go into SWAC. I'll give you some updates quickly in terms of what's going on with our independents. Uh, they're struggling trying to see if they can make that march getting into the close of the season. This is the last weekend before you get into tournament action next weekend, specifically for the SWAC. So, we'll, you know, we'll talk a little bit of touch on that about this last weekend. We'll start as we do with divisional play, Eastern Division, get in the Western Division. So get uh, these two gentlemen's thoughts in terms of what that may look like this week as things close. It looks like Alabama State, for the most part, has the Eastern Division wrapped up. Uh, but there may be a little bit of fun in the Western Division, if not at the top, a little bit of seating there. And so we'll get to tell you what that looks like. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this first break. Come back on the other side. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, 
and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational powerhouse intelligent and sincere that's the voice you need for your creative marketing process k-e-a-v-e-r-s-v-o-i-c-e.com covers voice covers voice covers voice.com always on all the time so listen to Professor Yes Sir, yes, sir. and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Gaville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. As we said, we're having um, the weather issues, but I think Charles is fine. He'll be back in for the next two segments. So we're going to make a little adjustment. Instead of talking, as we said, a little bit about the swag, we're going to hold off that and go back on some news and get some discussion going. Uh, I wanted to jump in here and ask A.D. Drew, uh, what are some of the hot topics that uh, are on your mind in terms of the HBCU sporting scene uh, in week this week? Well, the hot topic has to be the article that came out from HBCU Game Day on the Division II level, and that is zero means no. That should have been the title of the article. Zero means no, saying that the two champions of the conferences, Fayetteville State and Benedict, have proposed a week zero matchup. And the NCAA said no. The week zero essentially is reserved for uh, FCS and, and FBS. And this is from HBCGameDay.com. Why did the NCAA turn the game down? No Division II conferences or teams have participated in Week Zero games. It appears because there is no precedent for Division II conferences playing Week Zero games. The SIAC and the CIAA waiver was turned down by the NCAA. So uh, that was one of the reasons. One of the other reasons, and it's mentioned in this article, that that game, should it be played, would potentially put both of these teams over the Division II cap of 11 games. Should they both make it back to the championship game, which we know is their aspiration when this thing is all said and done. So by going over the cap, by going over that cap, 
that's another reason why this game was uh, potentially turned down. So, and I've got I've got my own thoughts on that week eleven, the championship game, and other things that could be done around that. But that's a discussion for a different podcast, Doctor Kavir. No, we can get into that. We got a little time for that. But I, I'm fascinated about this topic, and let's chop into it a little more. And I'm glad you brought it up in terms of news because there's been a lot of talk out of there, whether it's in social media platforms. Some of our colleagues that also do great HBC sports uh, show, the Golden Boot and things of that nature, are talking about this as well uh, in terms of what that looks like. And, and so I, I wanted to give a little context as we got Charles able to get it set up in here. And so just the level set, we're talking about staying with some news and HBC talk. So we're going to uh, talk about the next two segments, uh, three and four, we'll get into the baseball talk for the SWAC and independence. Uh, but we decided to carry on the news and maybe get a little dialogue, particularly with this being so hot, which is the uh, order that came back uh, out there, um, HBCU game day, HBCU sports, in regards to uh, the push for a week zero game between the SIAC and CIAA, with Charlie Neal, uh, the legendary uh, broadcaster, now working with HBC Go, asking the two commissioners in regards to petition the NCAA to allow them to play in week, week zero. I think the first thing that is important, we saw the partnership that came out with all four HBCU conference talking about working a lot more together. I think this shows a clear design uh, that uh, the two uh, Division II conference, CIAA, SIAC, have started that uh, in terms of being able to work not only all four of them working together, but specifically working on projects to work together. Uh, and then with the opportunity to HBC go uh, to put this out there, uh, they petitioned the NCA. Um, and a lot of folks, one thing that I wanted to clear up is that Sometimes we look at the NCA as almost as if it's the boogeyman. If it is uh, the entity that literally makes decisions. And people have heard me say this over and over, and people start to pick up this and kind of understand a little more. The NCA is just a governance body. It's a governance structure. It's important for all of us to realize, because sometimes I think the ADs, the commissioners, uh, particular of uh, the autonomy five, as they like to be called, we know them as the power five, and to some degree the G5, love to put out as if the NCA is doing things or won't allow them to do things or they need to fix stuff. But it is the presidents and the chancellors and the ADs that set policy. Let me say that again. It is the chancellors and the presidents at each divisional level uh, where they voted when we talked about the transformation committee, one of the things they put out there is each division now has the ability to govern their self, even more so in terms of the ability to navigate the space with the best practice for them. So the presidents and chancellors put these rules on the books in terms of what they're doing. They vote on this. And these committees are held at each level, sometimes by senior women administrators, ADs. They put policies together. They go up to the presidents that vote on it, and then the NCA as a body led by the president of the organization just governing. It just governs the process. They don't set rules. They don't set policies. So it's not what the NCA did. It's the fact that they govern the policy. And this is where we need to be clear. 
It was the NCAA Division II presidents and chancellors that voted on the rule that week zero must, week one must start in this. And I'm reading it from the NCA.org bylaws, right? I can give you the page and everything. You can Google it up yourself. And this is 515 of 23, latest version. Page 306 uh, is the first breakdown of figure 17.2 that talks about playing and practice season. This is the rule. It starts in football. You can look that up at 17-10 because that's the NCAA rule and bylaws. So I'm just reading. This is not me being the quote-unquote smart person. I just know what the rules are, and I know that you can go look them up. So it says football, first practice date, 24 days prior to the first permissible contest or 10 days prior to the first day of classes, whichever is easier. That's what the presidents of Division II and Chancellors set. All the NCAA is going to give you and say, hey, this is what you can do. This is what y'all voted on. So, no, you can't do that. The second thing is first contest date or date of competition. Thursday preceding September 6th. That's what the rule, that's the rule. Mm -hmm. And what the Division II people voted on. That ain't the NCAA. They just say, hey, that, that's what you said. And end of the regular playing season is conclusion of the NCAA Division II football championship. So that's that's their calendar. That's all the stuff in there. Now the presidents and chancellors have every week, and this is good because now the presidents of the CIAA and SIEC can petition the other presidents say, hey, we need to do this. It's better for our leads. Let's carve out bylaws that allow us to do this. Then the NCA is going to be like, yep, that's part of the bylaws. Y'all voted. Y'all ratified it. We'll sign it. That's the process. So it's not NCA with the person that is a czar, even though some people say they should have a czar, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. But just wanted to make sure people were clear on the process. With that being said, let me shout out some of the great lab listeners out here, Jerome, Jeep Sutton, Emma Price, Chuck Hunt, G. Boom Holly in the house, Edwin D. Moore, Benita Bowling, uh, Silas Edward McMorris, Harvey Parker. Good evening, gentlemen, as he said. A lot of folks are paying kudos and saying good evening uh, on here. Varick Williams, Southern. I see the Jags are woken up. I see you back, Varick. <laughs> Jags must be playing for the well. It must be uh, close to tournament time. time here. <laughs> <laughs> Always for Jags. Tom Waters, Ricky Burton. Uh, I kid you because I care, Varick, uh, with the blue and gold glasses. Nothing wrong with being a super fan, though. We need more of that. Carol Keelum. Uh, who else we have? Charles Edmond. Appreciate the love, Charles Edmond. Doing the strongman contest on the radio with the softball. Kudos to him. Uh, I agree with Carlos. You deserve to be in the Swag Hall of Fame at some point. We got to find a way to make sure that you're in, even if it's as a contributor. I think they've opened up those lanes, so you deserve that uh, as much as anyone. So we need to make sure that we do what's right to get those that have spent a lifetime uh, providing us a voice uh, to be able to follow the swag. So shout out to Charles Edmund and shout out to Carlos Brown for putting that out there. Uh, Junior Castile, Lonnie Shaw, John Richardson, Jeffrey, 
Jeff Roberts, uh, all in the building. Hopefully we gave you some good updates in terms of what that is. Before we go to this next break, any thoughts from you, Charles, in terms of obviously the thought process of the article, uh, which is great information and great to see that they're pushing for that. But then uh, my diatribe, if you want to call it that, in regards to at least understanding the NCAA process in terms of how things are put out there, because it unnerves us when we get out there and we say stuff as if it doesn't look like we understand. And we had the ability to inform our listeners to make sure that they're as, as educated as possible. So when they do make concerns, that they're doing it from the best knowledge possible in terms of what they want to see uh, and not are being misled one way or the other. Go ahead, Charles. Well, I think about first and foremost, kudos to you uh, for explaining and, and putting it out there uh, in regards to uh, clar- uh, clarifying, you know, sort of the, the process by which uh, teams go about playing in, in week zero. Uh, the question, I guess, that I would have uh, are do our presidents and, and administrators on the Division two level, they see the importance of playing that week zero game now, uh, especially with regards to uh, national exposure, branding, and this, that, and the other, uh, with regards to the institution. Uh, because I guess it goes back for me, like, you know, how, how do we sort of miss the ball moving when the trend was starting to play these week zero games? And we see how immensely popular they are, especially with regards to the sporting public. There is a thirst, a hunger for college football, especially that back weekend of, of August before Labor Day now. Uh, with that being said, um, certainly good points when you say that. I do want to give a little stuff not to couple for the president's chancellors uh, as if they need it, but they still are voting in the group. So even if they had to put that out there, they may not necessarily be able to carry the vote to get it across. We remember at one time, FCS, if you remember, we're trying to open up to get that at, at your game. And the body of FCS voted it down, yeah. you know, or obviously the SWAC and MEAC wanted it and a couple of other FCS program conferences. But wasn't enough. So that's part of it. And two, this is the first time I think that it was viable where they had a platform of a magnitude that said they wanted to put it out. There. So you got two parts of the partnership. Not only are you willing to do it, so even if you saw it, I'm not sure if you didn't have the vehicle to distribute where you can get the brand awareness. Would you have kind of known that? So I, I do want to put that on the table to your overall point of something more consideration. Before we go to this next break, I did want to go back to you, Drew. Any additional thoughts you may have after, again, I provided some additional context uh, to the subject because I'm glad you put that on the table. Well, and, and I'll be brief, Dr. Cavill. Given all the parameters that you have uh you put out there, okay, SIAC, CIAA, let's see if we can come up with another way that we can have an event such as this happen. A, Division II schedules aren't made as far in advance as FCS and definitely FBS schedules. A lot of times on Division II level, they are year to year, maybe uh, two years if you go ahead and agree to a home-at-home series with somebody. You may have your game set set for the next two years. But with the eight-game conference schedule, let's take one of those games, you're going to maintain your rivalry. That could be with a a quote-unquote check game or 
a, a, a regular rivalry, but one of those weeks, let's ha- let's have a SACCIAA crossover in one of those yeah. one of those other two weeks. Number one, number two, you also have Week Eleven out there. Yes, we know four teams, two SIAC teams, two CIAA teams will be playing for conference championships. Let's be creative. We can we can go ahead and schedule crossovers during week eleven, or B, we could we could do the uh, uh, PSAC bottle and go ahead and schedule week eleven. And if you happen to make the championship game, you get pulled off the schedule. You play the championship game. Then the two teams that are left on the schedule play each other for for the eleventh game. Helps the conference rating overall. May help get an extra team into the playoffs. Just two things I wanted to throw out there about the football scheduling model in the SIS. Strategy. 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 Good stuff. Uh, we'll send this directly to commissioners, and then we'll ask uh, when they get it done if they send a little seed money for the um, <laughs> <laughs> the additional information. Between that and our baseball proposal, uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Holloman ought to be ought to be giving us some, a good royalty check. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to, yeah. Let's get into the second break as we over a little bit. We'll come back on the other side. And as we promised earlier, we will get into the Division One baseball talk. With that, we'll be right back after this uh, second break. On the other side, catch us. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love you. And who the ball? Who the ball? 
So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, because he going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment. So we have none other than A.D. Drew, as we have Professor Bishop, Professor Drew in the building. Let me give you some updates with the NEC. It's been a little tough and challenging for the HBCU programs in terms of what they're getting done. We do have one in the hunt, but uh, this last weekend is really going to go a long way to see whether they get in the tournament. Uh, last uh, year, NEC took the top six. Haven't heard any updates to see if they expanded the field with the expansion of the league. So we're basing on the fact that they're taking top six. So what took place this past Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, in terms of the HBC programs? You had Maryland Eastern Shore on Friday lost a close one to Stonehill 7-6. Norfolk State was defeated by Wagner 9-5. Delaware State plays Cobbin State. So the HBC matchup has the Eagles defeating Delaware State 12-7 in terms of what took place on Friday. As we move into Saturday, Give you a little update there, and I don't want to spoil it for you, uh, but the team that you want to keep your eyes on if you listen to these scores are, for the most part, Maryland Eastern Shore. Talking about Maryland Eastern Shore, they lost the Saturday contest to Stonehill, 14-2 to in terms of that matchup, which was tough. Wagner defeats Norfolk State 14-2 to as that continues to go down in terms of what took place. You didn't have the Delaware Cotton State game on Saturday. Uh, like a lot of places, you're dealing with the rainouts here and there. Moving to Sunday to give you the final parts of that matchup. Stonehill gets the sweep, uh, which was tough for Maryland Eastern Shore as they are fighting for that top six. Give you a little update of what that looks like shortly, but the score of that game was 13-2 Stonehill over Maryland Eastern Shore. Wagner sweeps Norfolk State 6-3 in terms of that matchup. Uh, and you have two games played with Cotton State and Delaware State as they were able to get them in on Sunday. Cotton State defeats Delaware State. Uh, first matchup, they're 12-5. And they go ahead. Cotton State gets the sweep as they defeat Delaware State 16-11. Mm. And so in terms of the conference race, what does that mean? Uh, if we're going based on what we know, the top six teams get in, well, Maryland needs to show us at number seven. They're behind Merrimack. The good thing is they're only came back going last weekend. Cotton State has an outside shot as they're two games back. Uh, in terms of the matchup, Maryland Eastern Shore plays Merrimack. Uh, they are at home. They have to find a way to sweep them. If they're able to sweep them, then they jump them, obviously, in terms of one game there and are able to make up that one loss. Uh, you also have a little bit of uh, the fact that uh, – in terms of Merrimack actually playing sacred, I should say, and Maryland Eastern Shore in terms of their last matchup uh, at home hosting um, the matchup that they need to get done uh, in terms of Stonehill is who they play. So they have Delaware State that has struggled, so they should be able to get that game. But you know how it is when you have old conference rivals, how they can mix it up. And they can't – they have no room for error, really. Unless Merrimack that is fighting a number four team, Sacred, uh, is able to get hot and uh, lose to Sacred, very much possible as Sacred Heart is in the fourth seed in terms of the matchup there. So a lot there just to say that Maryland Eastern Shore, 
at the end of the day, to kind of start things off, they got to find a way to bring out the broom and sweep Delaware State. We'll see uh, if that is the action. Just give you a little update on the independent program. They're hey. trying to tell off. You have that program trying to get it in. Go hey, ahead. Yeah. Uh, Coppin actually probably has a better chance at Redland Eastern Shore, even though they're one game back of Redland Eastern Shore and two games back of Rareback. Coppin plays Norfolk, who sits in the cellar of right. the NEC. So a Coppin sweep, they could jump both Merrimack and Redland Eastern Shore to claim that last spot. Are we expecting a Coppin sweep? They 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 they're, they're playing off folk who's sitting in the cellar, so it's mathematically possible. mathematically and the the, the, the advantage of the two who, who's sure at, copy it goes to the copy. Who's at home for that game? Uh, hold up, I give you just a second. Sure, Coppin Coppin's at Coppin's at home. Oh, okay, that's the other thing. Getting over to the Colonial, you know, North Carolina A&T for a while was fighting uh, to be able to be seated in the tournament in terms of uh, the Colonial, but they've really fallen on hard times. Uh, they're third from the bottom. Only teams behind them is Monmouth and Townsend. They sit at 11 and 17 in the conference race. Uh, they have gotten some victories of late, but the last couple of weekends have not been kind to them in terms of what takes place there. So, they're really the long shot. So all your eyes, uh, as you all too said, uh, is about Coppin State and Maryland Eastern Shore. Can they find a way to get some little magic this way and get some things done in terms of what that looks like uh, over the weekend? I'll be interested to see uh, what's that all about in terms of these conference races. Just to give you uh, due diligence, um, the game on Friday, North Carolina A&T lost to Elon 11-2. Some people like to joke around with A&T as Elon has said that's the rival there. Uh, so North Carolina Central fans always like to remind North Carolina A&T uh, that Elon is the new rival. <laughs> but I guess in terms of a rival matchup on Saturday, North Carolina A&T fights back and gets a win, 11-9, which means you go to the rubber match on Sunday to see what takes place there. Uh, Elon takes two out of three. I'll save you all that energy as Elon defeats North Carolina a uh, and So that's a little bit of struggle of the Colonial. So enough of that in regards to all that. Let's get into the SWAT uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on on that side of the board, uh, particularly in terms of the East Division, uh, in terms of what's going on there. Alabama State continues to show out, uh, get it done, as they bring out the brooms against Alabama A&M. Uh, so just in general, uh, before we go into the last segment and we can look at both uh, the West and East Division, what are your thoughts on Alabama State, the way they're just being uh, so strong right now, Charles? Well, you know, it's very interesting. I was talking to Coach Earl Sanders, Toulouse coach, and he was saying uh, he expects for it to be a, still a very competitive SWAT baseball tournament, even though you have Alabama State that has playing tremendous ball. They won – what, 10 in a row, 13 in a row, something to that effect? 10 in a row. Uh, 10 in a row, 10 in a row. Uh, but uh, it's hard to just write down a sweep week in, week out. Uh, even we saw this past weekend, uh, Jackson State couldn't sweep Mississippi Valley. You know, Mississippi Valley sitting in the uh, in the cellar in, in the east. So uh, just overall, when you take a look at it, even with, with all corners southern, 
You just could, Southern couldn't get the sweep uh, on the weekend. So you just look in and you just see the overall play has gotten a little bit better, even when the teams are, uh, even the teams at the bottom of the conference are playing just well enough to at least get a game. I was looking at the game with Alabama A&M and Alabama State uh, Friday. Alabama A&M went into the sixth inning with a 4 nothing lead before the wheels came off. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, next week or uh, to be, uh, or in the next couple of weeks, uh, for it to be a really, really competitive swag tournament. So that was kind of my overall thoughts. I think things kind of went according to plan uh, this weekend, but uh, still teams were not able to get that, that 3-0, that 3-0. So that was the things that kind of jumped out for me. Before I close out this segment, I did want to give uh, to GCAC member Dillard as now they got their assignment into the NAIA baseball tournament. So um, they're there. And then you obviously had Florida Memorial in that 19-inning, uh, I don't know what you call that, marathon-type baseball game, 2-1, and one, uh, where they defeat Albany State that has had a great season to the credit of Albany State at SIC. Uh, but the last two weekends, boy, you talk mm-hmm. about tournament play has not been kind of They've gotten mm-hmm. right to the doorstep, if you would, uh, in terms of some matchups. Yeah. And they have lost classic games to put them out of the tournament. Uh, last, two weeks ago against the SIC uh, in the uh, elimination game between Savannah State Robert again, it goes 13 innings that is covered and broadcast by the BCSN. They lose that game. And then, obviously, in the uh, Black College Championship presented by Tyson, they lose that game to Florida Memorial. So kudos to Florida Memorial uh, to getting it done in that 5-4 uh, uh, to four victory over Albany State in terms of that 19-inning game. Crazy uh, in terms of what that looks like. Drew, any thought process in terms of Dillard getting that bid to the NAIA tournament in the first year of the baseball program, getting hot in the baseball tournament, getting it done. That's what baseball, baseball is about streaks. Baseball is about being hot. When when you're hot, you're hot. And sometimes when you're not, you're not. Uh, Talk to somebody very close to the Albany state program. I don't want to say they're specific, title because I don't want to call him out but his quote was we've been choke artists the last couple oh, of weeks. oh oh yeah ouch it's out yeah I mean they 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 lost and you talk of one run games it, 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 most of their losses this year have been one run games they have not gotten blown out mm. this year so you get all these things in a close game and it seems like they're gonna like they may possibly choke. And I'm, I'm gonna go out with this. Why is it that in the Northeast, in the CAA on the East Coast, everybody's played 27 games? Can't get that in the swag. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's get out of here on this one. Let's go to break on that. <laughs> it's thunderstorms. <laughs> we in the south. And guess what? They, they, they I'm just saying they done figured out a way to make up all their games. Everybody has played 27 games going into the last weekend, except for one team, and then one team played 30 games because they have a, they have an odd amount of teams. So they were the team that that uh they went first. They've gotten all their conference games in going into the last weekend. I'm just saying, just saying, yes, just saying. Stickers, we'll be right back after this last break. We'll get in on the other side and we'll talk about some of that smack baseball. 
uh, those oddities of who hasn't played, who hadn't played, and what it may look like going into the tournament based on ranking. And stick with us. We'll be right back on the other side. We'll talk about what took place this past weekend and maybe a hint of things to come as we get into the last weekend of SWAC baseball. Uh, we'll get uh, regular season Eastern and Western Division champions. And then it's time for the tournament. Top eight seeds go. I think that's pretty much a lot. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. Stick with us after our last break. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, boy. He gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Deville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Uh, as we are joined by the team, Professor Bishop and Professor Drew getting it done. Let's get in here and talk a little bit about the swag. Let me give you these scores first, give you a breakdown on the divisions, and then I'll go to each of you to kind of decide which uh, division you want to concentrate, if not on both. Um, things are getting interesting. One thing that is intriguing to me, there's a little discrepancy in terms of the records for teams. Uh, and that's whether you check the Southwestern Athletic Conference or you check D1Baseball.com. I've actually did the schematics in terms of teams play, but on the SWAC site, you have like um, some duplication of scores of games and it's going into the record. Uh, when, like, for example, Prairie View and Southern have played five times, even though they have them listed playing at six, one of those are duplication, and there's uh, one or two of those in there. So there's a little bit, so do not uh, go strictly by the record. We'll try to give you the updates and clean it up for you. But I do want to give you that indication, and that's why we're not showing the updated records as we usually do. 
to have that information for you. In terms of Friday matchups, Prairie View played two on Friday. The game was scheduled to be in Prairie View, and Prairie View is on a losing streak, but they haven't played the home contest conference-wise in a while. They've had to um, – the field has been getting rain, and even though the days that it's not raining – uh, it's holding water, so they haven't been mm-hmm. able to play games there. So two of the games against Southern, they were going to play at home. They actually played in Southern. Southern won both of those games earlier, so kudos to them. And then you also had the fact this weekend, the game was TSU was supposed to be in Prairie View. They actually played that game in Lamar. They played a Friday and Sunday, allowing the students to graduate, to have graduation ceremony on Sunday, and to get outside of the ring. So on Friday, they had the doubleheader. Texas Southern and Prairie View. Texas Southern won the first game 3-2. Uh, and Texas Southern won the fourth game 4-2. You have a pitcher. Uh, kudos to Ryan McGinty uh, going on and talking about the fact that uh, uh, 100-plus strikeouts. So he's been over the 100-strikeout mark. And then Abraham Matt, Deleon, yeah. Thank you, Deleon there. And then he has set the record uh, as he got two more strikeouts during the weekend and get it done. So, Kudos to what he's been able to do over his career. Uh, anytime you get to 100 strikeouts, that's significant. And when you start setting school records, uh, even if they're modern records, uh, that is significant in itself. And you get the two wins uh, in terms of what that looks like in those matchups. Prairie mm-hmm. does salvage and get uh, a game there. They don't get sweet, swept in terms of those matchups there. But Bethune-Cookman uh, does get one, a couple from FAMU, taking two out of three. Uh, one of the games was 13-4. to four. Uh, and Alabama State continues to do with Alabama A&M, even though Alabama A&M, as you alluded to, has some gamesmanship in those games. Alabama State continues to find a way to do what they do, and they win in terms of the matchup. Intriguing. Grambling takes two out of three from Pimbla. Pimbla gets a game, and the last one they beat up on that. So one of the hottest teams out there is Arkansas Pimbla, but I think it's a little too late in terms of what that looks like. So it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, even with makeup games, uh, they just don't have enough games to really to catch up with the fourth spot, whether that's Prairie View or Southern, uh, for that matter. Uh, Bethune-Cookman wins the second game against FAMU, 11-6. Jackson State continues to kind of roll late in the season as they seem to ride in the ship in some way. They defeat Valley. Rival game, 4-1 to one there. I told you about Gramlin defeating Arkansas Pine Bluff in that second matchup, 15-11. Uh, Southern defeats Alcorn State, 3-0. Southern is hot in terms of what they've done of late. Uh, Alabama State over A&M, 6-3. Uh, Jackson State over Valley, again, doubleheader there, 12-2 in terms of Saturday matchups. Uh, Sunday, when things get going, uh, you have your updates there in terms of uh, Prairie View getting a shutout. Uh, Texas Southern getting a Prairie View a shout-out over Prairie View to the O. FAMU over Bethune-Cookman 5-4, saving the ability to not allow Bethune-Cookman to get the sweep. Bethune-Cookman, although a couple of weeks ago, you know, they were struggling, talked to the coach, said some injuries out there, but over lately in terms of getting four over Alabama A&M, two out of three for Bethune-Cookman, they have pushed all the way up to the second spot. Uh, I told you about Southern getting a sweep over Alcorn State 5-2. Uh, Alabama State does defeat A&M and get the sweep 10-3 in terms of the last game. Arkansas Pine Bluff, Pines Grambling, 18-8 to get the win, uh, at least a win out of that three-game set. 
Mississippi Valley State comes back over Jackson State. I happened to be traveling on the phone and saw them. That was a last inning big bat, two RBI hit to yeah. take over Jackson 7-6. They hold on and able to squeeze out a game there. Kudos to Valley to continue to fight. Uh, and so uh, Alcorn State does get a game from Southern 9-8 in terms of matchup. So you do see a couple of games where teams are playing four games, trying to get some of those rainouts that you talked about, Drew, getting the game back here in two. Uh, and so it's some fascinating. Yeah, some talk the teams are going to maybe try to squeeze in a game or two this week, whether during the week or maybe uh, play games early Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and back in one on Sunday and make sure that they can get uh, a game or two back in. The tough thing about the scheduling is uh, it's not like they missed the whole series where you could just schedule a series maybe if you do it. It's like a game here, particularly with Southern. Southern uh, had two games canceled against Texas Southern. They had one game canceled against Prairie View. So you have those kind of oddities coming up uh, in terms of that. And Pine Bluff has one or two games against two or three teams where they're missing. So um, that's the other trouble in terms of making up a game. It, you, you have to travel to multiple locations or get teams all to agree to come to one location to play multiple games and, and get the facility. So it's going to be fascinating to see what that looks like in terms of that matchup. Last thing here is just to give you an update before I let y'all jump in here, give me some thoughts. I told you Grambling uh, is winning the division uh, 20 and 6. Texas Southern sitting at 15 and 9 in second spot, Southern at 14 and 10. Uh, in terms of that ranking, I believe it's actually 13 and 10 in terms. I was about to ask. Yeah, and Prairie View to have listed 13 and 12, but I have them at 13 and 13. 500, uh, which is still three games above Pine Bluff in a win, but it's four games in terms of loss column Pine Bluff there in terms of those seasons there. So little differential game here at who, which could go into seeding a little bit, but this last weekend should play things out. Alabama State is running away with the Eastern Division 24-3, and three, only three division losses, 27 games, so they've been able to get them all in. Uh, play their last series this weekend where they traveled uh, to Tallahassee, which will be interesting because uh, FAMU wants to see if they can improve their seating because sitting in the second spot is Bethune-Cookman. I told you it's got hot of late. that sits 18 and 8. FAMU is behind them at 17 and 10. Jackson State at 12 and 15. Valley is four games behind in the win column in terms of just eight wins, but they're actually seven games behind in the loss column. So you see a lot of differential in terms of what that looks like. Let me start with you, Drew, just your thoughts in terms of the SWAC, whether you want to go East, West Division, it's on you. Take it away. I'll, I'll start quickly in the East, and I'm going to put my fam you had on for this uh, brief comment. If you're Florida A&M, you desperately want to catch Bethune and mm -hmm. jump Bethune because if you jump Bethune, that puts you in the bracket with Grambling. That's right. You don't you don't want to be in the bracket with Alabama State, an Alabama State that literally dominates you. But the only re only way that you can get out of the bracket with Alabama State is to go and sweep Alabama State this weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, y'all y'all do the math and figure that one out. I don't know how that, I don't know how this go quite work yeah, out. Yeah, let, 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 <laughs> let's go over to the West. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
the West, yeah, everybody, all four teams who are going to the tournament in the West have missed at least one game. So, when we talk about these percentages and everything on the West side, it's really fair fairer on the West side because everybody has missed at least one game. That's it. It it looks bad, but comparatively speaking, compared to their peers in the West, it's not that bad. But the interesting thing is, will the one of these games because two, three, and four are st- uh up for grabs right now. Will one of these games really matter as far as that percentage? And let's be real, same thing. Just like FAMU doesn't want to stay in in, in that number three spot. Do you really want to finish number two and go over into the bracket with Alabama State if you're in the West? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think I I, I can echo that. I mean, uh, that, that was my those were my questions uh, in terms of just making up these one or two games, especially with regards to Texas Southern Southern Prairie View. Uh, will it matter with regards to where they are seated uh, in in the next couple of weeks? And then I come back to this, Doc. Uh, how big is it? That and I think you touched on it that Purview has not played a home game since uh since what uh the Southern series and 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 and, and just not having that last at bat at home, how how crucial uh, that is with your uh, and I'm saying that from a standpoint with your home fans screaming and cheering and this that, and the other trying to give you that momentum. Uh how big is it that they have not been able to have that quote unquote home field advantage? Good stuff, good stuff. Great breakdown uh, in terms of what goes on there. Let's go ahead and get out of here and close it up. I did want to give the update. Barrett Williams says, well, teams have to make up the games. Isn't it an 80% rule? Previously in the 10-member SWAC, that was a rule, 80% rule. With the expansion, which also expanded the number of games and did not provide an open week, when you had five teams, you actually had uh, a week uh, throughout the season, the 10-week season, where every team had a week off. Um, when you expanded to 12 and went to six divisions, uh, you increased the number of games significantly uh, in terms of the games we played, but you also eradicated the open week. Remember in the uh, uh, previous framework of the SWAC when there was 10 members, you had a week off before the championship game. Uh, you had a week off before the tournament in terms of that. And that's because you had those open weeks in terms of the way the conference schedule. You don't have that. now. Everybody is playing a gauntlet, uh, playing 30 games, uh, and you play, there's actually three games in each division each week, six games. Uh, so you do that over 10 weeks, you can do the calculation. And I'll give that as I took a note because uh, what's intriguing about that, and we'll get to talk, maybe talk a little bit more about this on Tuesday when we talk about inventory. What does this do with your inventory? So that's one of the things that I found out over the years uh, in terms of recently, in terms of MEAC losing some of its members, what it did to inventory and how that plays out on the contract. When you sign a contract saying that you're going to give a, a, a streaming and a broadcast platform so many games. Well, if you lose members, you, just, you lose those games. You can't give them to them. So somehow you either have to have a rebate but somehow you have to give that back or extend the contract so they get those games in. So those are some things that you think about. On the other hand, uh, it's a promising thing for the SWAC because now they add all these inventory. 
Think about all the additional football games. Think about all the additional basketball games. Think about all the additional softball, all the additional baseball as you see now. That's a net positive in terms of increasing your inventory. And I'll actually break down of what that looked like previously, before expansion, uh, and after expansion in the same way with the MEAC uh, when you look at the escalation of the conference uh, from losing members uh, to the numbers of what it does to inventory. But let's get into it. Enough of the talk there. Gave you some business perspective. Kudos to Charles as he went home to visit his mom. A happy belated Mother's Day. I know we said that before we left, but hope all the moms out there uh, in any capacity had great Mother's Day. Uh, but I wanted to do a special shout out to Charles, his people, and uh, his mom, particularly going to church there and all of them wanting to shout out, saying they listen to the show. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll see Thank uh, you. Summer, we'll be able to do a little more of the business talk in regards to giving you the data since you really appreciate that news. So hopefully you gleaned a little bit about that today in terms of NCAA guideline rules and a little bit as we snuck in to close it out, a little bit about the inventory in terms of what that does for broadcast. We'll take a deeper dive uh, maybe on Thursday, if not later this week. Special shout out to Drew uh, being the great pinch hitter he is. Appreciate you for all you do and all the work. Shout out to Roy in terms of the lamest work that he does in the background, put all the work. One other thing you want to share before we close out, Drew? No, no, I was just, I was just saluting you back on that. Uh, oh, shout out. But I, but I, I'll throw this two cents in. Uh, you know, we just two weeks out from, uh, from the Tulsa basket, kind of while we uh, wore the uh, Black Wall Street uh, shirt. You know, that happened. Uh, you know, nineteen twenty one at the end of May especially as we open the show, most appropriate. I'm glad that you made sure that we got that in there and we will make sure we honor those that lost their lives tragically uh, in the uh, Tulsa race riot um, in terms of the massacre that took place there, the appropriate term. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cabello, the Dean of HBC Sports Coming from inside the lab in the college of HBC Sports uh, with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment. We'll see if we can get him in. I think he has a tight schedule, so stay on the hook if you can, A.D. Drew. Uh, uh, in terms, we might need your services as a pinch hitter again. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock. Since the standard time, you know what it is right here, right now. Like, subscribe, uh, and share with your friends. We look forward to next Thursday as we discuss the latest in the news. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cabello, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-A-L on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. For those that like the news and you can, follow me on Twitter. I've been sharing a lot of the news from a data perspective for a professor and somebody that's widely in the news, a professor out of the Pac-12 that does analytical data and he's talking about expansion. And I know it's outside of the HBCU, but these are some of the data metrics that I use as well when I talk about expansion of HBCUs and SWAC. So it gives you a little hint in terms of things that I'm looking at. Also gives you some information in terms of broadcast information, in terms of understanding the relevance of what that looks like. So if you get a chance to check out Twitter, I'm getting really into a lot of that uh, in terms of those followers there. And I retweet their stuff um, just so you have it and know it. Facebook and YouTube is inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Dream big, continue to move forward. Uh, before we check out, make sure you download my JBN, my BCSN. Obviously, we're having our special support 
black businesses and those black businesses that want to support us, check out uh, the website. You get information on specials we have for you. And we'll talk with you soon with that. Charles? Of course. Katie? Lecture. Dismiss. Mahalo. <laughs>